so excited for this next partnership. I love CBD. I love hemp. They have both helped me so much in my wellness journey. And I'm always open to partnering with amazing brands that can help others. And Feel Good Hemp was started by Noah. Noah's father was diagnosed with cancer and he was on a mission to heal him. And that's what he did. He created this amazing brand of tinctures, gels, and bombs. The bomb is called The Bomb. It's really amazing. It has the cleanest ingredients, just oils and hemp. What more can you want from that? He's been so, so sweet to give my listeners a code, 25% off, free shipping. If you use the code DIVINE25 at checkout, uh, it's basically the subscription coupon, but you're not subscribing. You're just getting the deal. What's better than that? Thank you, Noah. We really appreciate you. And yeah, so go to Feel Good Hemp and check him out. DIVINE25 at checkout. And let me know what you guys think about it. Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. This episode is for all my ladies. Um, I have Rima Bonario. She's the author of The Seven Queendoms, a soul map for embodying sacred female sovereignty. Discover the queen archetypes within you that free you from the imprisonment inside your mind and body and from without. So she says that for most of her life, she had no idea how to be a woman And it wasn't until after uh, she just hit crisis after crisis that she embarked on a spiritual path that enlisted her body, not just her mind, in the healing that awakened her sacred female sovereignty. I feel like a lot of women do not know how to embody that type of energy. Um, The key to that was discovering the seven queens that live within women. So that's what we're going to discuss We have the grounded queen, the passionate queen, the empowered queen, the loving queen, the expressive queen, the visionary queen, and the divine queen. So she's going to list their characteristics, primal energies, domain, canon, physicality, gifts, challenges, and the two shadow queens at the extreme edges of this queendom. And she offers great exercises and practices to learn more about how each queen shows up in your life and how to embody support grow and strengthen her she spent 20 years as a luminary in women's empowerment and embodiment practices Uh, she has a doctorate in transformational psychology she studied with master teachers in this body-based energy work it's just such a insightful interesting episode i hope you guys enjoy it here is rima behind writing your book well this book came to me really over the course of many years I have been on my own journey to reclaim my my feminine way of being and um, which which started out because I I hit a wall I hit a wall in terms of the way I was working in the world and I just was utterly exhausted and I couldn't continue on the way that I was working and I had to find a better way to work in the world and I started to examine the behaviors and the habits that I put in place and discovered that I was really working in a way that wasn't sustainable for my body and I needed to like 
you know, put myself in a little bit slower gear and begin to mm-hmm. move from the inside out rather than the outside in. And that's what gave birth to this work. I love it. And so how does the topic or the idea of self-sovereignty come into play and influence the book? One of the things that I learned in my healing journey was that I was so driven to operate in, at those higher speeds and mm-hmm. push myself past my capacity, in part because I had a lot of leftover stories and old tapes and patterns from my childhood, which, in, you know, I learned when I was young that the world didn't really care too much for the feminine and that the masculine mm-hmm. was where all the power was, you know? And so I was working in that way. And then of course, going to school and then being in the workforce, you get reinforced that your value is in your productivity. And so there's this tremendous amount of external influence that we deal with when we're trying to make our way in the world. And sovereignty is the exact opposite opposite of that. Sovereignty is the ability to make our own choices and craft a life we love that's authentic, that's free from a lot of external influence. And that can be difficult, you know, to to untangle yourself from your history, from your past, from the people that you love, from the people that have an investment in you being a certain way and mm-hmm. they want you to perform or, or show up in a certain way and put pressure on you to do that. So being in our self-sovereignty is learning how to not lose our center in the face of that kind of pressure and really practice being in a state of self-governance. It doesn't mean that we don't listen to people or take their thoughts in, into consideration. But the kind of pressure I'm talking about is pressure that sometimes we're not even aware of that we're responding to life, you know, in these old ways that we've done forever and ever. And um, they haven't quit working yet. But once those old behaviors and patterns stop working, we have to find something else. And that's where sovereignty comes into play. We have to choose to discover our own truest form of sovereignty. So is that a a higher power, our higher selves? Like, what is the spiritual source of this queen power that we're going to try to step into? That's such a perfect question because the queen archetype, I've worked with her, I've broken her up into these seven different domains because we have very complex lives and we need to look at all these areas of our lives. And the the first queen is the divine queen and she connects us to our higher self or what I sometimes call my soul self the Mm -hmm. part of me that knows that it knows that it knows you know and it's it's the uncorrupted part of me the most ancient part of me I think of it as the part of me that completely understands the divine which is not understandable really for the human mind Mm-hmm. we sort of say we know what it is we're not we're not really getting it you know right and and so it um tells things to have the that relationship that's very robust and healthy how you can start to hear that guidance from your 
inner self, from your higher self, from your soul. And when, and me, that's what it means to be in connection to the sacred feminine, because this, this sense of beingness that comes from our connection to the divine, that's a feminine quality. So it doesn't matter whether you think of God as a masculine being, or you are a man who is having a connection to spirit. This idea of seeking counsel with the divine, with spirit, and then moving from that still, small voice, that quiet place within, that is actually the feminine principle, to seek stillness, to seek guidance, to be in a place of receptivity and a place of surrender or spiritual surrender. And then from those Got those guided the guidance that we receive, we act after this the action becomes secondary, and the action part of our living that is that is masculine energy, so that when we're in action, we're using our masculine energy to get things done, and what ideally we're trying to do is have our masculine energy carrying out the instructions that we receive when we're in that more feminine space of being connected with spirit. So which one do you think you are, or do we have all aspects of seven? Are we a combination or are we just one? Yeah, we all have all seven of these queens within us because we we all are interested in these seven different domains of uh, sovereignty. So we've been talking about spiritual sovereignty, but in addition to that, we have, we, we all want to have mental sovereignty, emotional sovereignty, physical and sexual sovereignty. We want to have sovereignty over our energy body. And we also want to have sovereignty in terms of how we express our, ourselves in our work world, in our Dharma, in our, in the gifts that we offer, in the medicine that we bring to the planet. And so each of those domains has her own queen. Those are what I call the seven queendoms. And the queens are there to help us get a flavor of what tools, what skills, what attributes we want to take on in order to be more masterful in each of those areas. Right. And now we also have 14 shadow queens. Could you please get more into that? One of the things that I could be striving to embody a particular queen energy and then miss Mm -hmm. that energy. So when I would have, say, too much of a particular queen energy, it could go very wrong. And the same could happen when I didn't have enough. And so I identified for each of the seven queens, there's a, a, a whole series of shadow queens that show up when we don't have enough of that particular sovereignty and a mm-hmm. series of queens that show up if we have too much, if we're overdoing it. So I'll give you an example. Um, yeah. The empowered queen, uh, are, you kind of might want to think about it like we're seeking to be centered in the, in the center line with the queens. And then if we fall to the left or we fall to the right, we start to get into some of the shadowy places. So with the empowered queen, she's all about understanding our right to our power and how we provide power in a way that is collaborative, that's supportive, that is about dominion versus domination. This is a feminine form of power versus 
we see sometimes the wounded masculine that's in the warrior energy that goes run runs amok and it's not that the feminine energy can't overdo it as well and so when we use too much of that heavy-handed energy we move from being an empowered queen to being a cutthroat queen it's like she takes her sword and she just runs around and starts channeling the queen of hearts you know off with their heads and um everybody in our space gets gets that feeling of being you know ravaged by our our power even when we're when we're using it incorrectly but if we don't have enough of our power we can end up cutting off our own heads and i call that queen the beheaded queen and you can imagine how ineffective you're going to be if you're walking around with your head under your arm right. and you're not you know you're not really able to use your your power very well but to do this work you know you have to examine what what is it about your history that caused you this misshapen connection mm. power you know, did you have models of power that scared you so you stepped back from your power and you said you know I don't want any part of that or did you have models or that encouraged you to be more aggressive in the way that you dealt with because that, that was the only way but so we have to ask questions we need to look a little deeper and find out what's going on so that we can make the internal adjustments we need that changes our behavior I see. Can I, I really wanted to tell you this one. I was reading about you and I had an image or just like a feeling I had to bring this up, but um, is the ultimate goal of feminine power for the women to like mesmerize men, have them at their beck and call. When I think about that, my first, I guess, uh, I go to Sherazad when she would tell the stories in Arabian Nights. She would tell the stories every night and she basically saved herself from dying because she just was so witty and so clever. So is that kind of who we want to embody, that kind of energy? Oh, such a such an incredible example of the of feminine power as it as it's in its ingenious state, right? So mm-hmm. one of the things about feminine power is that it enthralls, it magnetizes, it's an inward pulling feeling rather than an outward pushing, which is how masculine energy shows up. And the passionate queen, she oversees everything related to our um, sensuality and our sexuality, our sex appeal, our life force energy. One of the things that women have sort of lost touch with a little bit in, in the challenge that we've been going through of trying to figure out how to be in our power and be in relationship with men is that we've we've taken on masculine power patterns. We've we've Mm -hmm. tried to become better men than the men. And we can never be better better men than the men, but we can be better women. And so this story that you're describing is a a beautiful example of a woman who realized she was not going to be able to fight her way out of that scenario. She wasn't going to be able to use brute strength to keep herself alive, but she could use what she had, which was her access to her life force energy and to her mystery and to her intelligence and her ability to express. And so keeping the masculine engaged and interested in this story through the art of invitation 
is very much a, a, a powerful example of how we can use feminine power to, to support ourselves. And it's not that we're trying to manipulate or we're trying to, um, you know, get people to not be in choice. The people that were mm -hmm. listening were very much in choice. Yes, I want to right. hear more. They were just enthralled with us. And and this art of invitation, this art of drawing in is very much one of the powerful skills that the feminine has in her toolbox. And so when we start to develop a relationship with our inner feminine, we get access to that to that ability. Now, of course, the passionate queen, she has two shadows as well. And yes. if we're using our sexual energy inappropriately and we've weaponized that, I call that the siren queen, kind of like the sirens mm -hmm. that used to draw the sailors and dash them upon the rocks. We don't want to be doing that, but we don't want to have such little of our, of our magical sexual life force energy available to us that we are stagnant and we don't feel alive and we feel shut down and, um, you know, sort of not the juicy, beautiful goddess that we are. <laughs> I love that. So how can the king, the male energy, support the female energy, the queen? It's it's a kind of an interesting way, interesting how these two archetypes support each other. So mm -hmm. if if a man is able to stay very clearly nurtured by his healthy masculine energy, what he can do is help to create a safe container that allows the feminine to feel like she can fully express. She can let go of her need to guard the perimeter. She can let go of the challenge of keeping herself safe. And instead of keeping herself safe, she can rely on the king's energy to hold the perimeter and keep herself safe. And then that allows her to really go into a place of deep surrender and openness and softness. And that's beguiling. And it's magical when we can do that. It's, it's very hard to access that part of ourselves. If we feel like we have to track everything that's going on in the space and we're not sure if people are going to be there to support us or if they're going to come and attack us, you know, if we've got to mm -hmm. have our eyes and ears focused outwardly and stay in a vigilant state, we can't get to the deepest part of the feminine. And likewise, if we, if we have a, a king in our space who's also in his shadow where he's not really standing firmly in his healthy masculine, but he's either using his energy in a more of a weaponized way, or he's not feeling his power at all and he's collapsed. We can stand in our truth, in our queen energy and help to support him to come back to his center, to come back to the place where he feels the truth of his power and he's capable and able to hold that energy in a in a in a meaningful way, in a powerful way that that doesn't overpower anybody else. Good. So if any kings are watch, listening to this, they know how to they know how to go now. <laughs> they know how to relate to their queen. Uh, so why do you think or why do you think this book and this idea is so important now? What is the, why do people need to hear this message? 
Well, right now we are living in a world that is reeling from the problems that get generated when we have wounded masculine energy running the show. We've got Mm -hmm. an illegal war happening in the Ukraine and a dictator, um, you know, strong man in Putin who's just destroying his country. We have the same thing happening in Iran where we have a very toxic masculine power structure there. And in both of those countries, the women are beginning to push back. They're beginning to say, no, we are not going to continue in this way. The mothers in Russia are fighting and, you know, against this war. They don't want their sons to be taken off for cannon fodder. You know, they know they're going to die. And it's dangerous for them to be speaking out. And the same is true in Iran, where women are saying, you know, enough of this situation where if a woman has a small amount of her hair showing, she can have a gun pointed at her head or be killed because she doesn't want to wear a hijab. And this is, you know, not how they want to live. They want more sovereign control over their bodies and their lives. And we're dealing with that same thing here in this country where we've had a lot of fallout from masculine energies that are not very conscious, that are trying to run the show and not collaborate. But we have problems facing ourselves as a human family right now in the issues of climate change and rising seawaters and horrible massive storms as well as things like a pandemic, they don't respect borders. They don't, you can't kill your way out of these things. You have to collaborate your way out. You have to join hands and create community and work together to solve problems that are very difficult, that that will need changes that span across generations and take a long view. And that requires a more feminine energy, an energy that's more about community and cooperation versus challenge and fight and the sort of warrior energy. We need the, our, our hero archetype and our warrior energy. We need that energy at very important times. We don't want to get rid of it completely, but we can't let it always lead because to the warrior, everything looks like a battle. And the kinds of battles we face now are not the hand-to-hand combat. They're strategic in nature. They they need the long view. They need support. They need collaboration. Love it. And when you say in your book, we can live from a scar, not a wound, what does that mean exactly? That has to do with taking a look at what is underneath these suboptimal behaviors. So, why do we have this tendency to want to rush out and vanquish the foe rather than pausing to see how can we create a solution that works for all? Well, sometimes we have that impulse. We believe, you know, look, somebody's going to die here and it isn't going to be me. We've been raised to believe that that's the way the world is, but the world is only like that in very rare circumstances. And if we've been trained to see it like that, then the entire world always looks unsafe. It always looks dangerous. And we miss the very beautiful moments where we could be in a very heart-open, soft, connected space. Alternately, we could have the energy of feeling like a victim, like everybody's always attacking me and I have no power. I have no way of 
solving this dilemma. So we get depressed or we get shut down or we, we feel frozen inside. Um, these can be wounds that come from our early childhood experiences. And if we don't tend to those old wounds, then we're always living from this wounded place. We're always living in the shadows, the shadow lands of the, of the queen. We're never able to get to the, the, the actual throne room and sit on the throne of our own life. When we heal the wound, then we, we don't have an active wound anymore. We have this scar tissue that it's there to remind us, yes, we've walked through those fires. We know those dark, scary places. We can see what we need to learn from that, but we're not sitting in the wound anymore. We've got the wisdom without the pain. And this is a place where we can govern ourselves and govern our world from a very healthy standpoint where we've accumulated wisdom from all the experiences we've had in life but we're no longer acting out in pain. Right. And what has your research really surprised you about all of this? One of the things that was so surprising to me was the discovery of how important our body is in this healing work. It's, you know, a lot of us have found healing through the doorway of the mind. We've read you know books books like mine or other people's books or we've gone to therapy sessions and so we have this talk therapy approach where we speak about what the challenge is but when we keep the discussion to the head to just the thought process and we don't work with the nervous system and our our body we we have an animal body that actually stores our traumas they it lives inside the nervous system and the thoughts that we have are a secondary response to our nervous system getting jacked up by our fears and by our experiences. And so the thing that was so surprising was that a lot of the most powerful and effective tools for healing come through the use of the body. So whether that's using your body to move when you feel the energy starting to rise, when you feel yourself starting to either get explosive, like, uh-oh, that my temper's coming on, or the part of you perhaps that does the shutting down. People have a tendency to prefer one of those states. Some people ping pong or bounce back and forth between the two. But if we can catch ourselves as we're starting to either shut down or we're starting to ramp up, and move our bodies, like physically, you know, either go for a walk or a run or put on a piece of music and dance or grab a pillow and beat the stuffing out of the pillow, you know, or even use our voice and release the energy with a scream. Of course, I do recommend you let the people in your space know that you're doing that for therapeutic reasons because you can get them quite upset or concerned if they don't know why you're letting out a scream. I've done that before. and. Uh, and, and when we do that, when we take the time to move our bodies and be physical, we can dispel a lot of that initial energy that either keeps us frozen or makes us want to act out. And then it allows us to be more mindful about how we want to address the situation. So really understanding the body is a, is a key to this 
to to this type of healing work where we're no longer at the mercy of these old patterns. You see, mm-hmm. when we're growing up, we our brains develop based on the input that we're receiving. And so we get these neural firing patterns, these habits of thought that are tied to our nervous system. And when we can interrupt the nervous system at the body level, the, the mind starts to have more space for different thoughts, different ideas, different experiences, different outcomes. We get really creative and we can say, oh, I don't have to keep doing the same thing I always did and expect different results. I can try some new strategies. I can, I can work at this from a completely different direction and get some more uh, traction here. I see. So if you're going to speak to the tweens and the teenage girls, what would you say to them to uh, help embody and manifest their feminine power? Well, some tips would be great. The first thing that we want to do is we want to recognize that it's okay that we don't necessarily know how to do that just yet, you know, that the world hasn't taught us how to do that and not to feel any shame around confusion. Like, am I, Am I more masculine in my power? Am I more feminine in my power? And to recognize that we need both of those kinds of power in our life. So, if, so if you're if you're feeling like as a young teen girl that you don't have really a lot of your own energy and you feel like everybody else is controlling you, that's that's okay. That's it's perfectly okay to have those feelings. Or if you've been more of the rebel kind of teenager where you're like, screw everybody, I'm doing my own thing and I'm not listening. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a, these are both responses that we have when sometimes when we feel trapped by the experience in our lives. And, and when we're seeking to be more sovereign and we're still living under our our parents' roof, it can be hard if our parents don't understand and they're afraid and they want to try to control us by exerting a lot of external influence. So the really, the best place for you to focus at that age is inside of yourself and to mm-hmm. work on how, how you can not allow the people in your life, if they are critical of you or they're mean or they don't understand you, to, to try to, to set up a boundary. I think of it like having a bubble around you, an energetic bubble that's like a, a force field or a... Um, a screen so that you can keep your inner space your own. You can keep yourself protected and you try not to allow their words or their criticisms to come in and shake you up, you know, and to remember that, that you get your reason for being and your right to exist. That comes from the fact that you are born on, you have been given life, that that comes, that's your divine right to be here. And nobody can take that away from you. So looking inward and trying to find that connection to your higher self, to your soul, and being gentle and generous and kind to yourself and mm-hmm. and really allowing yourself to have your own inner private life, if that's using journals or doing doing artwork, so that you can feel at least on the inside of your bubble you are the sovereign queen of your space, even if for now you have to go along with what the family dynamic is and what the school dynamic is, knowing that you're going to do the very best you can inside of those circumstances until you're in a place to be able to make a few more of your own decisions. 
But honestly, I'll tell you, this work, and it doesn't matter what age we come to it, mm-hmm. it all starts from the inside. It's an inside job first. You have to be gentle and kind and compassionate with yourself on the inside first before you're able to have a more compassionate response to the world on the outside. We can't give away what we don't have. Oh, right. Oh, exactly. Really well said. So if somebody wants to work with you, how do they get involved? The I suggest people come and visit me on my website, and you can take a look at some of the things that I offer there. I do do one-on-one coaching and private sessions with people who want to have some support moving out of some of these shadowy places. I also teach online classes. And I have some recorded classes available for sale in my online store. Um, And I also am launching right now a couple of important programs. It's my favorite time of year because in November, I do my Queen's Council program. And Mm -hmm. this is a program where I invite other teachers, colleagues, friends, teachers of mine to come and join me in teaching practices that we can use to embody each of these queen archetypes. And so over the course of the month of November, we have this really robust community where we meet in these live sessions that are all recorded. And we walk through the entire seven kingdom soul map together. It's really powerful. And then people that really want to do the deep work are invited to come into my annual program, my year-long program called Queen's Court, and we will open registration for that in December once we wrap up the council work. So both of those opportunities are available on my website, and uh, I would love to connect with people. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have an Instagram, and I have a YouTube as well. And as far as I know, I'm the only Rima Bonario that there is in the world. So if you Google me and you type in R-I-M-A for Rima and B-O-N-A-R-I-O for Bonario, you're going to find me and we can connect. I would love to connect. Great. Rima, this was really a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about your great book with us. I wish you all the best and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have you guys heard of Rakuten? It's where you can shop all your favorite stores online and make money. Yeah, you can make money. I have made thousands of dollars. Granted, I've been on it for a while, but if you're someone who's an online shopper, you need to sign up right now. And you can use my invite link. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N dot com slash R slash Divina 141. Rakuten.com slash R slash Divina 141. Happy shopping and make some money. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.